Welcome to The Mixtape. I'm Valerie. And I'm Natalie. And we're back with season two of The Mixtape. If you are joining us for the first time, we are so excited for you to listen to this episode. And then when you're done, obviously go back and binge all of season one so you can catch up before the one comes out next week. Exactly. That's what I do with Netflix. (laughs) If you are new to us, we are a life science and talent acquisition focused podcast featuring topics from industry leaders, HR professionals, and patients. If you're a returning listener, you'll recognize some familiar voices this season as well as some awesome new guests. We're so excited to share this season with you and we appreciate you taking the time to listen. This month, if you don't know, is February, which means it's Rare Disease Month and There are over 300 million people living with rare diseases. Here at Mixed Talent, about 25% of our clients actually are in the rare disease space. So we really like focusing on what we can do to raise more awareness about rare diseases. Um, Every year, we actually celebrate Rare Disease Day by having a guest speaker. And that's actually how I first came to know our um, guest on today's episode, Emma, because she was a guest speaker for us at Mix. When we had uh, Rare Disease Day last year, Mm -hmm. she came and talked about her own personal experience living with a rare disease. And then later, because she actually worked in the pharmaceutical industry, decided that she wanted to pursue a career in recruiting. And now she works here at Mix. She's on my team. I absolutely adore her. (laughs) And she is so wonderful to work with. And... um, She is going to be talking to us today about VEDS, and the chances of the genetic condition being passed down are about 50-50, and unfortunately, those odds have been devastating within her family. Her family history traces back to her grandfather, who passed away at the age of 48 from a vascular event that, at the time, was not attributed to VEDS, but we can now identify that as the result of the disease. Since then, she has unfortunately, unfortunately lost two uncles at age 40 and 42, her father at age 49, and also her brother at age 25. But in spite of her family history, her parents had left the option of being tested for VEDS up to each of her siblings, and it wasn't until her brother's passing at such a young age that she actually made the decision to do so herself, leading to her own diagnosis back in 2014. With her cousin and uncle also being diagnosed, her family's current total is eight VEDS diagnoses, Although with not everyone having yet been tested, there's still the potential to see more in the future. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with VEDS, it is a rare disorder that weakens the body's connective tissue. Connective tissue is like a glue that supports different parts of the body, like the skin, eyes, and heart. It gets its strength from a protein called collagen. And normally collagen keeps the tissue elastic and able to stretch without tearing. Weakened connective tissue can lead to less serious complications like bruising or more serious events like ruptures in arteries, intestines, and organs. This is a really touching story that we're going to hear today from Emma and her husband, Justin, and it's an honor to have Emma with us today on the podcast. And I kind of knew Emma before I met her, really. Um, Emma's dad, Mike, was a client of my dad's. Um, And he was a great friend to many of our mixed family members. I have always heard stories that Emma's dad was such a wonderful man with an infectious positivity and a zest for life. And I can see that that trait has been passed down to Emma Mm -hmm. and Val. I'm sure you can attest to that working with her on the same team every day. But she is a lovely person who is so wonderful to be around. Um, And we're just so happy that she's with us on the mixed team. So without further ado, here is Living Fearlessly as a Rare Disease Patient and Caregiver. 
Hi everyone, welcome to the Mixtape. My name is Emma Borgini and I'm a recruiter here at Mixed Talent and also a rare disease patient. And today I am joined by my husband, Justin Borgini. Justin is a client service manager at LifePlan Group, an investment firm here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and is also the co-founder of the Defy Foundation, which we will be learning about a little later on. Welcome to the Mixtape, Justin. Thanks for having me. So as we head into Rare Disease Awareness Month, today we are going to be talking about learning to live fearlessly with a rare disease diagnosis. So to kick us off, Justin, can you give us some background on the rare disease we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, sure. So we're going to talk about uh, vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, other known as, uh, otherwise known as VEDS. Uh, so VEDS is a connective tissue disorder that's caused by a genetic mutation, and this mutation affects the body's production of collagen. Uh, now, collagen is, is the glue that keeps your body together, and as a result, VEDS patients are uh, at a higher risk of arterial ruptures, organ ruptures, and, and other types of vascular events. Since they are at a higher risk for these events, anything that puts a high strain on the body, pregnancy, surgery, uh, can result in, in very severe complications. Okay. So we know it's a rare disease. Just how rare is it? Right now, the numbers are about 1 in 50,000 people are diagnosed with, with VEDS. Uh, but as as we know, when you were diagnosed about seven and a half years ago, we've seen a big change. That number was about 1 in 250,000 people. So we see more people being diagnosed now and correctly diagnosed. Which is great, especially within the VEDS community, since so many patients don't realize that they have this condition until they have one of those serious complications or events that you were talking about. It's great to know that doctors are being able to identify these patients uh, more often. Yep. So what is the prognosis and what are the treatment options currently available for VEDS patients? So uh, the average lifespan of a VEDS patient is about 50 years. Um, and unfortunately, there are no there are no treatments. Um, so it's recommended that patients get uh, scanned every year just to make sure that their their vascular system is, is in, in good health. Um, and a lot of patients are also on blood pressure medication, uh, and that blood pressure medication takes that strain off of the body. Mm -hmm. And since we know they're at high risk because of that additional strain, um, we also know that maybe avoiding some activities, you mentioned, you know, surgeries can cause complications, but we also know maybe contact sports, some high stress um, yeah. activities can have an impact as well. Yep, exactly. And so with this being a rare disease, obviously most people have never heard of vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, including me and my family. How were you introduced to VETS? So I was introduced via you. Uh, I, you know, we met in the summer of 2014 and shortly after you had, uh, you were getting tested for, for VEDS. Um, and I can remember going back to, we were still in college. I remember going back to my dorm room and going online and, and, searching what it was and you know it it was scary to to see what that was um and so and then of course you know from the time you were tested to when you received your diagnosis um you know you you filled me in on on your family experience and and how that has has impacted you yeah absolutely and you know they always say when you hear of a diagnosis 
don't run to the internet to find out more about it. But, um, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, that was the only choice we had to do. It was really, unfortunately, the only choice. And even for me, having had the experience of already being familiar with VEDS for over 10 years by the point that you were being introduced to it, um, the internet was kind of our go-to. And unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of information available. And so it was really a matter of us trying to piece things together based on what we experienced in our family, what little information we could find online. And so even for me as the patient coming to you and, and trying to introduce you to it and educate you on what I was going through, um, it was hard for me to do so because there was a lot of information that I still didn't have at that time. Sure, absolutely. So since then, you know, we're talking seven and a half years later at this point, uh, you've learned a lot. We've both learned a lot, become more experts in this disease. I wouldn't (laughs) say experts, but we're doing our best. We're doing our best. It's a journey. But what has been the biggest challenge for you in managing this disease and what lessons have you learned from it? Yeah, so uh, so let's start with the challenge. Um, it's mentally exhausting. It's, it is so tiring. I, you know, it's always in the back of your mind. Um, there are days when you don't, you d- not that you don't think about it, but um, some days are better than others. Uh, but but it's still always there. And so you're always kind of waiting for the shoe to drop because, as I mentioned earlier, uh, these episodes are – it's episodic. Um, and and so we never know what, what is normal pain versus what is actual, you know, I need to go emergency. to the hospital. Yeah, what it, what requires an emergency trip, uh, room trip. And, and we've gone to the emergency room multiple times. We've had a – a few experiences where we weren't sure, and obviously it's 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 better to play it safe. Um, but that's that takes a mental toll. That takes a mental toll on the patient advocate, but and obviously you know the patient as well. Um, but a, a lesson learned is um, you know take every day one at one day at a time um, and appreciate life. Um, you know, you don't know, as cliche as it is, you don't know what tomorrow brings. Um, so enjoy it. Enjoy it while it's here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's something I've learned. Um, and I guess you, it's a blessing in disguise in, in some way, shape, or form. Trying to find the silver lining. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, I'm glad that you shared that mental toll piece of it. One, because I 100% grieve from the patient standpoint that mental aspect and that anxiety of the unknown and what could happen um, is one of the hardest, if not the hardest part of living with beds. And so I'm glad you bring it up from that perspective, but also because I think it's important, as important as it is to hear the patient experience and to hear what patients go through and what challenges they face, I think it's also really important that we Talk about the experience from the standpoint of people like yourself, Mm -hmm. a spouse, a family member, a caretaker, the people who are surrounding these patients, because those people are being significantly impacted, just like the patient is being impacted. They're experiencing those challenges right alongside with them. And so I think it's important that as we continue to give patients a platform to share those experiences and what they've been through, we're also giving that same platform. 
to those people surrounding the patient. So I'm glad that we're able to yeah. discuss it from a different perspective yeah, absolutely. as well. Um, so that, that fear of the unknown, right? Everybody at some point in their life is experiencing some fear of the unknown. Yeah. Most people like to feel some sort of control um, yeah. over the things in their lives. Um, and so really with VEDS and with any diagnosis, I think that fear of the unknown is really just increased and heightened to a new degree yep. um, because that sense of control is is really taken away from you. Um, and so with that in mind, something that we've adopted in our household and um, within our community is this idea of living fearlessly. Can you talk about what living fearlessly means? Yeah, so living fearlessly, it's 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 not about living without fear. Everyone's going to have fears. We we understand that, but it's not letting it. Um, it's not letting that fear dictate how you go about living your life. Um, and that's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know we we don't want you to be defined by your diagnosis. You can still define what that diagnosis is to a point, or how you respond to that diagnosis. Um, you know. We want you to be able to to live life to the fullest um, in a way that is manageable to do so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I I think that's a really important distinction, right? Is is it's not about living without fear. We recognize that these diagnoses are scary. That's just the reality of it. There's going to be fear. They're going to come with trauma and grief and pain and daily challenges. And so we have to validate that that those feelings of fear are normal and they're going to be experienced and there's going to be days when that is going to be what you experience more than the positives. Right. Um, and so living fearlessly is not about, you know, living without that fear. It's living in spite of that fear. And it's being able to say, this is a scary situation. You know, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen, but in spite of that, I'm still going to dream. I'm still yep. going to have hope. I'm still going to reach toward my goals. And I'm still going to kind of remember all of those things that I had prior to my diagnosis about, you know, who I am and what I want to accomplish. Yeah, you're still, you're still you. You're the same person. You, you know, um, you can still keep the hopes and the dreams and the goals that you had. Um, now, yeah, you've got a You've now got a, a, an obstacle in your way, mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean you can't uh, overcome that in, in, in some capacity. Um, and yeah, you know, as we said, it's much easier said than done, and it looks different for everybody. Yes. Um, but I think it's important to at least try to live your life that way. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, for for you and I know for myself as well, that mentality of living fearlessly has been a great coping mechanism for us as we've navigated sure. the, yep. these new obstacles and challenges. Um, living fearlessly has been a very helpful coping mechanism for you. And I know for myself as well, yep. what else have you done to help cope or manage with this diagnosis from the perspective of somebody who's taking care of a patient? I mean, I've had to do my research. Um, I didn't, I didn't expect to try to become an expert, and, and I'm not an expert, but I, I didn't expect to try and, and know VEDS like the back of my hand, um, but but here we are, and, and that's because we we need to advocate for you. You need to, you know, advocate for yourself. 
Um, and so uh, having all of that knowledge allows you to, it, it's, it's quite empowering to be able to, um, you know, if you had to go to a hospital, we've experienced this going to a hospital and a, a doctor or a nurse may not be incredibly familiar with, with vets and that's okay. Doctors have enough stuff to, to know about. Um, but to be able to have a, a discussion and say, you know, from my experience, this is what, this is what we've, we've seen and, and, and what, you know, let's, let's put our minds together kind of and, and, and see how this goes. Um, sometimes you have to become that educator for yeah. people who may not be familiar. You Absolutely. know, it is a rare disease and we didn't know anything about it until we were in a situation where we had to know about it. And yep. so being able to take on that role for other people who may have never heard of this and help them learn what it is, you know, yep. what is the best protocol? Um, and, and some and of you those keep, things are And you keep a little out. folder, you keep a, a little folder in your purse that it, it lists your history, your family history, mm -hmm. what VEDS is, um, what are the, you know, the best way to, um, to handle it in emergency situations. Um, so it's important to kind of have all of that down pat. Yeah. That knowledge is power. And, Correct. you know, being, Absolutely. being prepared as much as you can. Um, you know, we've been talking about how some of that control can be taken away from you. And so any piece of that control that you can kind of bring back, um, even if it's in small ways, can be, to your point, definitely empowering. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, so speaking of advocacy, being a patient advocate, not only have you become a patient advocate for me, mm -hmm. um, but you've also become a community advocate through your work yep. with Defy. Can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to start Defy and where that has led over the last few years? Yeah, so, you know, Defy is um, a 501c3 organization. Um, we started it together back in uh, 2014. So it was about a month, you know, after your diagnosis. Um, and, you know, you kind of, you, you mentioned in the, in the last question, taking back some of that control. And, and for me, that, that was how I coped with this. And it was, well, I can't, we can't, there isn't enough info out there. So we need to do something then, right? We need to try and help bring some of this awareness and funding, whatever that looks like. And, and, um, and so that's what we did. And so, uh, you know, the whole, the whole idea was just to really just to bring awareness. Mm -hmm. Right. And we wanted to do a 5k. And so we did, we did that, uh, the beginning spring of 2015 and it was a huge success. It was, we could not have imagined it being going the way it did. Um, and we heard from people that they wanted to do this again. And we, you know, I thought, okay, well maybe we, maybe this becomes bigger than we, we intended it to mm -hmm. be. Um, and how exciting is that knowing that we've got the support from the community, uh, and so we did. And so a couple months later, we went ahead and we registered with, with the IRS as a, a 501c3 nonprofit, and we kind of got the ball rolling. And so, you know, we have our, our daily, uh, yearly events, um, you know, 5Ks and, and the golf outing that we do up in Michigan. Um, and we do our international symposium. We started that four years ago now. Um, and, and, and that's exciting being able to bring, uh, the, the scientific community together to get them into a room and, and allow them to have 
unfiltered discussions, essentially, um, that may not happen outside of that. That kind of cliche of, of teamwork makes the dream work, I think, has been uh, as cliche as it is. I think it's so true, especially in the rare disease community, that yeah. um, it does take everybody. And, and when those resources are already spread thin, um, we have to make sure that we're gaining as much momentum as possible. And so it sounds like Defy has been just a great way to do that for the research Absolutely. community. And um, I know... Beyond these scientific conferences, which have been an incredible way to bring the community together and allow them to collaborate and share what they're working on and not be so siloed in the work that they're doing, um, you've also been able to support specific research initiatives as well. Correct. Well, and, and, you know, to make a point on the scientists, it's so great to see them come together because they want to come together. Mm -hmm. They want to have this ability to discuss their findings. Um you know, we didn't feel like we had much support seven years ago, mm -hmm. um, and that has changed dramatically. Uh, people do want to make a difference. The scientific community does want to make a difference. They just need some help as well, mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that perspective has also been really helpful. Um, you know, when you're on the outside and when you're newly diagnosed, especially in the rare disease world, it can be very easy to feel like nothing's happening, nothing's being done, progress is moving so slowly, you know, I don't see a treatment on the horizon, you know, what am I supposed to do? I'm just sort of on my own here. And so what has been great about Defy has it, it's given us that inside look into yeah. look how much is actually being done and look how passionate and dedicated these people who are working on these diseases are. And so from the outside, while it may feel like, you know, we want every, we're always going to want everything to move faster, but there is so much momentum and that ball is moving forward. And, and these researchers and these clinicians are at the heart of that. And so it's been really exciting to be able yeah, to support them. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it sounds like, you know, Defy really epitomizes this idea of living fearlessly. Um, you know, you took a diagnosis that could very easily be overwhelming um, and disheartening. And in the span of a month, <laughs> you went from receiving this diagnosis, learning about this disease and what it was capable of doing, to turning that into an opportunity um, and shifting the focus from the negative to the positive and to hope and optimism. Um, and so I certainly applaud you for Thank doing you. that um, and being able to really take that in stride and really, like I said, epitomize this idea of living fearlessly in spite of this diagnosis. Well, and if I, you know, you should be applauded as well because <laughs> I don't have the disease. You do. And it, it affects me absolutely. But you did not have to, you know, you could say, I just, I don't want to, well, let someone else handle this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to look at this, um, you know, every single day. So, so more power to you um, on that end as well. Yeah. So seven years into Defy now, looking back, what changes have you seen in the community and in the VEDS community with the state of things that bring you hope? Yeah. Uh, resources. Absolutely. Um, you know, when we started this, I, this podcast, uh, <laughs> this episode, I said, when, when, when I did my research online, 
seven years ago, I couldn't find anything. Um, and now people, people don't necessarily have to have that same fear that I may have experienced, um, or that you experienced, um, you know, we're seeing emergency room guidelines, support for genetic testing, uh, national and international patient support organizations mm -hmm. that get together in person or get together via Zoom. It, it, it's There's just so many different options now, um, and, and that's so important. Uh, we've also seen that the community has become a lot more centralized. Mm -hmm. People aren't siloed now. People are, are getting together and we're putting minds together to see how we can best utilize everyone and not double up on work and, and this and that. And I think the most exciting right now is uh, we've got two clinical trials on mm -hmm. the horizon. Uh, I could not have dreamed that seven, eight years ago. So that's, that's, that's incredible. It is. It is. And, you know, just talking about the resources that are available, I remember we've talked about this, my first experience shortly after being diagnosed and going to see a geneticist um, was basically told you can take maybe some vitamin C, that could be helpful, um, you know, maybe some blood pressure medication, although we're not really sure how helpful it is, and, you know, avoid contact sports, don't go skydiving, and don't become a weightlifter. And beyond that, We'll just kind of wait and see what happens. And for a patient who's facing a diagnosis like this, it's just so defeating to to be facing a doctor and and receive that information and to be told we're not really sure what's going to happen and we're not really sure what we can do to stop whatever's going to happen from happening. Um, and that whole wait and see approach is something that can be really really difficult to cope with and just oh, yeah. extremely disheartening. It's a very heavy burden. And so that feeling of hopelessness um, really has just transformed in the last few years. And it's been incredible to see that patients, many of them for the first time, are feeling hopeful. And we talk about hope being such a powerful thing. I mean, it can carry people through the most difficult things. Yeah. Um, and so that hope is just so powerful and, and seeing how that is coming to fruition not just within beds, but I think seeing the momentum that the entire rare disease community has um, has just been extremely impactful. Yeah, I mean, we gave kudos to to the scientists a little while ago, and yet we need to give kudos to the rest of the community as mm -hmm. well. Um, they they could have just said this this is it, and we're just going to deal with it, mm -hmm. and they don't want to, mm -hmm. and, and they shouldn't. And and more power to them uh, for for having the courage to uh, try and try and beat this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Justin, knowing what you know now from the last seven years, being a patient advocate for me, being involved with Defy, what advice would you give somebody who is facing a rare disease diagnosis, either for themselves, for a family member, or somebody who wants to get involved? Yeah. So just learn as much as you can. You know, that will allow you to be um, the best advocate for yourself, for a loved one. Um, you know, if you want to get involved, there's so many different ways to do that. Anyone can make a difference. We were just in college when, when we started Defy. Um, you know, you just, you need to find what you want to be a part of. So that can be research on the science end of things, awareness, fundraising. There are so many different avenues mm -hmm. that, um, 
you can participate in. Um, you know, every little bit helps. Yeah. And it really goes back to that see a need, fill a need exactly. idea, which is great. Well, thank you for all your all your insight today, Justin. Thank and you for, for having me. Spending some time with us. Yeah, this is great. To wrap things up, there are a couple of questions we ask all of our guests here on the mixtape. Okay. Uh, the first one, what is the best interview question you have ever been asked or asked? Yep. So um, it was not something I had been asked, but it was more of a request. Um, and so I was I was requested to teach the interviewer something could anything. be anything it could be anything anything i wanted um and so i taught them how to form a nonprofit, uh which most people don't know how to do so and did you get the job i did <laughs> i like that question that's a good one yeah and then you can't have a mixtape without a playlist yeah so what song would you like to add to our mixtape playlist i wish i had you uh write down your guest before this um, so I'll choose, uh, uh, the Pet Sounds album from the Beach Boys, um, and a song from there, I would say, uh, here today. Excellent choice. Thank you. Awesome. Alrighty. Well, thanks for your time again. Thank you for having me. And thanks to Mix for allowing us to, uh, talk about beds and, uh, uh, their dedication to, uh, rare diseases. Thank you so much to Emma and Justin for joining us for the podcast today and giving us just such an inside perspective to what it's like to not only be someone who is living with a rare disease, but also from the perspective of a a caregiver, because I don't Mm -hmm. think we always get that type of um, lens into what it's like to live in a family and you have to really advocate for your family member, Mm -hmm. but also there's a lot of responsibility that's put on you to learn about the disease, to make yourself knowledgeable so that you can be both supportive to the person in your family, but also to those that you come in, come in contact Mm -hmm. with to really raise even more awareness about what they're living with. Right. And I have so much admiration for Emma and Justin, because like they mentioned in in the episode, like you can take this diagnosis and just live with it and not want to have to think about it even more every day. Or you can kind of do what they have done and take action and help others and create this foundation. It's just, it's remarkable what they've done and the progress that they've helped facilitate. Completely agree. And I thought it was interesting too that Emma had mentioned that after receiving her diagnosis that she's just kind of hit with all of these things that she can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that that at a certain point probably gets to be just a lot when you're told all of these different things in your life that are normal to others that you can't do them anymore. So to then have the have the thought, well, I'm not going to let this dictate my life and instead mm-hmm. be able to see all the things that you can still do um, is really inspiring. If you want to hear more from Emma, she is featured as one of our rare disease heroes this month. She has a feature on our LinkedIn page, and she is also featured on a blog on our website. So definitely check out our LinkedIn page and our Instagram to hear more from her around her story.
Exactly. And if you're looking for more information on Rare Disease Day in general, Mixed Talent has been posting about it all month. You'll see that we all changed our stripes in honor of the colors of Rare Disease Day. And um, if you want to support rare disease recognition and a call to action for yourself. Us mixers are going to be getting out and walking 7,000 steps on rare disease day in recognition of the over 7,000 rare disease that have already been identified and the countless more that are yet to be diagnosed. That's awesome. I'm excited for rare disease day. Yeah, me too. It's always so fun at mix. We get to do so many fun things. I know. (laughs) And speaking of fun, we get to add another fun song to our playlist. Yes, <laughs> we do. We love a good Beach Boys tune. We've had a few on the on the podcast now. Yeah. So that's exciting. <laughs> so make sure you check out our Spotify playlist as well as follow our episodes coming out every week. And follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram too. With that, thanks for being in the mix. We'll see you next week.